From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be um, helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning you, um, each of you, night and day with tears. Now I commit um, commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Excellent. Great. Good to see you. Um, If you've closed your Bibles, could you open them again to what we just read? Uh, We're going to be focusing on uh, verses 28 to 31, but we'll be sort of bearing in mind that whole bit as well. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're a God who has spoken to us and is speaking to us through your word. So please, would you teach us? Would you lead us and guide us? Would you feed us with what we need today? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this church here is like a pack of animals. Every church is a pack of animals. Now, that doesn't sound very nice, particularly when you say pack of animals like that. Uh, But it does depend on the animals. If I said we are a bunch of skunks, I would imagine you might be a bit offended. If I said, oh, we're, we're, we're horses, you might go, oh, well, actually, they're quite elegant, aren't they? They're strong, they're fast. Uh, pigs, 
not so much. Eagles, well, they're quite majestic and everything, aren't they? Well, this church and every church is like a bunch of animals, but that isn't supposed to be an insult. It's a term of endearment from God himself. As we carry on our series, What is Church?, looking at different biblical images of church. Church is a bit like this, it's a bit like that. The one we're looking at today is that we are a flock of sheep. Church is a flock. Not a herd of pigs, not a a surfeit of skunks, apparently that's the name for it, but a flock of sheep. Did you know, for example, here's a thing I learned this week, that the word congregation actually is not just about people, really. Congregation is not just people congregating somewhere. It's from Latin, herding together into a flock. So every time we say we're a congregation, we're already calling each other sheep. And that's the image we're going to explore this morning from Acts 20. And I pray that it's going to help us to understand more what a church is and therefore what a church needs. So let's start with what we are. The church is Jesus' flock. The church is Jesus' flock. Let's uh, look at Acts 20, verse 28. And remember, he's talking to the church leaders. And he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So we'll tackle later on who he's talking to and what they need to do. But the church is described as the church of God, the flock. I'm calling God's people a flock. It's not a new idea Paul came up with in that chapter. Throughout the Bible, Israel is referred to as God's flock. So Psalm 95 verse 7 says, For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Or Zechariah 10 verse 3, the Lord Almighty will care for his flock, the people of Judah. Isaiah 40 verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And there's loads of verses we could read which say the same kind of thing. And that dominant image of God with his people as a flock is care. God cares for his flock. He loves his flock like a good shepherd does with his sheep. So as I said, to call church a flock is supposed to be a term of endearment. He doesn't say, oh, my people, that disgusting nest of rats. No, he says, my loved flock of sheep. The remarkable thing, I think, which we can so easily sort of assume and skip over is that that pet name for Israel is given now to the church. In Acts 20, he's talking to the elders of the church in Ephesus, a non-Jewish city in what's now Turkey. And he looks at them, the leaders of these churches, this mix of Jewish and Gentile Christians, and he calls them God's flock. That everybody who trusts in Jesus, wherever you're from, whoever you are, you are now a sheep in that great flock of the Lord. It is Jesus' flock. We're his because he made us. And we're his because he bought us. In verse 28, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now notice again, Jesus is being called God there. 
We sort of sometimes you might meet someone and say, does the Bible actually ever say Jesus is God? Well, yeah, lots of times. But particularly here where it says, the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. That God himself took on humanity, a body like ours, so that he could die a bloody death to purchase us. To pay the price to ransom us, to make us his. What an amazing price to pay for us. And that is what Jesus has done. That's what we're going to celebrate later in communion. The idea of his blood poured out to make us his people. And that tells us about our sin, doesn't it? That we would need him to do that. That the church is made up of sinners, of people whose sin deserves punishment. That our blood should have been shed, except that his has been spilt in our place. It tells us about our sin, but it tells us about his love as well, doesn't it? That he would be willing to do that, that we would be that precious to him, he'd consider it worthwhile to give his life so that we'd be his. It's an amazing, undeserved honour to be part of his flock, the flock he loves, the flock he bought with his own blood. The church is Jesus' flock. But being part of flock, it's not all cute lambs and uh, woolly fleeces and things. Not only did he need to die for us, but there's an ongoing danger we're told about, something we need to be defended against. And that is that the flock is under attack. To be a flock, yes, it's to be owned and loved and cared for by God, but it is also to be under attack. Sheep are very easy prey. There are lots of predators looking for a tasty meal. Have a look at verse 29. He says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. The flock's under attack. It isn't literal wolves that are going to come and get us. I don't think in this part of the world anyway. But it is something more dangerous than that. It is false teachers. Verse 30, when he says, even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So people distorting the truth, teaching things that aren't true, they're likened to wolves, vicious wolves attacking a flock. I don't know if you've seen a wolf up close, or probably more likely on a documentary, and they, when they are, their teeth are out, they are frightening things. These are the worst enemies for a shepherd in that part of the world. I wonder if, if we were more familiar with the damage that a wolf can do, then we might take this more seriously. They don't sort of take one and sort of apologise, got to eat, haven't I, and then go and have his tea. They just get in among them and just start biting. They pull one down, leave it for dead, go get another one, go get another one, go get another one. And it happens so quick, as a shepherd sort of pops back to get something for a bit within a few minutes... One sheep has had its head pulled off. Two look like they've been turned inside out. Several of them are limping. All the little ones have gone. It's a disgusting thing. I don't suggest you Google it. Um, but it's, it's brutal. It's horrible. And it goes to show how bad false teaching must be if that's what is used as the example of what it's like. That the flock's under attack. Is that a threat that we take seriously? We should. It is possible to be too trusting, too optimistic, as if church is a game. There's no real dangers involved. 
But the devil hates the church. He is a very real enemy and he will send in predators, if he can, to take us down. And it will happen through lies we believe, through truths we ignore. What we're taught, who teaches it, that is so important. It's so important here in our particular flock and out there in wider Christianity as well. Because the time was, for a wolf to get in, they actually had to be here. They actually had to creep in over the fence, gain a platform. There's plenty of time when that happens for a good shepherd to be able to go, oi, and scare them away. It might take more than to get rid of a wolf, I imagine. But that sort of warn people, chase them off, that sort of thing. But now with the internet, wolves can sit in your pockets. The wolves have got a podcast. They can prowl on social media. They can be very, very winsome in order to gobble up sheep. These are people who distort the truth. They twist things. So it's not quite right anymore. They say things that are almost true. Things that sound pretty close. Maybe giving half the answer. Chop off uncomfortable bits. Maybe wrongly applying the truth. So they say, Jesus died for your sins. Absolutely true. So now it doesn't really matter if you sleep with your boyfriend. Not true. They're distorting something that is true. Or adding things on. Yes, you are saved by grace. But unless you do this and do that and do the other, exactly like I say, you're not really part of the flock. Come over here. Join my flock. Come over here. Join my flock where we do things properly. And it's all like Mr. Todd the fox inviting Jemima Puddle Duck to his tumble-down shed where I promise you'll be safe to lay your eggs here in peace. Apologies if you're not familiar with the theology of Beatrix Potter there. but It's, it's, a, it's quite a horrible book, actually, Jemima Puddleduck. These predators sort of going, no, come on, come on, it'll be nice in my little shed. It can be subtle, it can be persuasive. Jesus talked about false prophets being wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and here I think the image is of wolves in shepherd's clothing. Because he's talking to elders. You see that in verse 17? He's gathering those elders together, church leaders, shepherds. And then he says in verse 30, even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So it could have been somebody in that room with him at that moment. The wolf is not going to wear a badge that says, beware, I am a wolf. It might, in fact, have a badge saying, welcome, I am the pastor. Wolves are not easy to spot. My, what big teeth you have, Grandma. All the better to preach to you with. See, these people might seem nice from a distance. They might even seem nice up close at first. But when you cross them, when you are vulnerable, they will strike. And sadly, that has been my experience that these wolves are not trying to gather people around Jesus. They're trying to draw away disciples after themselves, away from the safety of the flock. And so, incidentally, when wolves attack, who do you think is the most likely to get got? Who's the most in danger? Is it the baby ones? Is it the little ones? Not necessarily. It's the ones on the edges. It's the ones on their own. The ones who all huddle together in the middle... They're often ignored. They're too hard to get to. 
But the ones that fly themselves, well, they're much easier. So can I urge you, a key part of being Jesus' flock is that we don't need to be alone. So we don't wander off. We don't try and do the Christian life by ourselves. We need to really get this into our minds. Christians are sheep. That is a herd animal. We are not tigers, solitary, self-sufficient. We belong in the flock. So if you know that you've been drifting, drifting away, and not just from attending, but from actively being part of it, can I encourage you back? If you're here today for the first time in a long time, that is a wonderful decision. You made a great decision. Welcome back. Stick close. Stick close. If you've never physically left, but emotionally you've pulled away, or you've pulled away relationally from people, please come back. And if you see fellow sheep starting to drift off from the herd, gently bar at them. Lovingly call them back. Go next to them. Huddle with them. Get others around them. We are community creatures. And the flock is under attack. But that isn't the end of the story. That would be quite sad, wouldn't it? The church, that is actually how Jemima Puddleduck ends. Yes, <laughs> out of interest. The church is God's flock, Jesus' flock. The church is under attack. Well, lamb's on the menu, I suppose. No. Jesus wouldn't leave us undefended like that. He wouldn't just leave us to look after ourselves, would he? No, that, the last thing we see in here is that God gives us shepherds. Sheep need shepherds. A flock without a shepherd is just a walking buffet for the wolves. And so God gives shepherds. He mainly does that by giving us Jesus, the good shepherd. But he also does it by giving us other men who are going to defend and tend his flock. And that's the context for this whole bit of Acts 20. I said we'd come to who he was talking to and what it was about. The Apostle Paul had spent two years in Ephesus. He'd established the church there and then was forced to leave. And he travels around a little bit. But before he leaves the region for good, he gathers together all the elders of the church for a final goodbye. And that's what we've been reading, his final parting instructions to those leaders that he's leaving behind. And so he says things in verse 25, like, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. This is a really emotionally charged farewell. They all cry about it later, don't they? They're so upset about this. And he leaves them with a really strong charge. Like, I'm not going to see you again. If I get to say one last thing to you, it would be this. Verse 28, keep watch. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. So knowing the danger, God provides shepherds. These church leaders that are referred to elsewhere in this same section as elders, overseers, they're given that role by the Holy Spirit, a God-appointed thing, because the flock belongs to God. So my job title is pastor, which literally means shepherd. Why well, it sounds so much like pasture, because it is the same idea. Pastor's job is looking after the flock, but he doesn't own the flock. 
you are not my church in that sense. You are not John's church either. He's also, he doesn't have that title pastor, but he is a pastor because he's an elder. It's the same thing. The church is Jesus's flock. We just look after it for him. Jesus is the shepherd. We are just under shepherds. That's what the elders are told in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 to 4. It says this, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So there we see church leaders having a real authority given by God in a particular context, and that needs to be taken seriously. But the emphasis is on using that for the good of other people, using that to serve Jesus, not to boss people about, but to watch over, care for, serve God thinks flocks need shepherds, and so he entrusts to their care his flock. He entrusts his flock for their direction. I think we're quite quick to say that shepherding is about caring. We talk about pastoral care, don't we? But there's times when we start thinking, what does that even actually mean? We assume, we go, pastoral care, oh yes, I know what that means. Well, what actually is it? Well, I think it's leading and feeding primarily. We talked earlier about Psalm 23, didn't we, when we sung that song. What does God do? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Or in other words, he leads us where he's going to feed us. We hear green pastures and we go, well, that's a nice place to have a sit down. Yes, it is, but it's dinner time. Green pastures is food. When the Apostle Peter was being reinstated by Jesus after the resurrection, he says, do you, re- do you love me? If you do love me, feed my sheep. And this is a picture of teaching, that that's what the nourishing food that us sheep need. We don't need grass, we need Bible truth. We need gospel-saturated preaching. We need truth teaching. We need wisdom drenched in the words. That's how shepherds feed their flock. That's what Paul did. So Acts 20, he he goes through how he had been while he was with them, the kind of work they supposed to carry on as shepherds. What did he do? Well, we look at the verbs in that section. Verse 20, he goes, he'd been preaching whatever's helpful to them. He's been teaching publicly and house to house. So it's not all preaching, it's personal work as well. Verse 21, he's been declaring to everybody. Verse 24, he's been testifying to the good news of God's grace. Verse 25, he's been preaching the kingdom. Verse 27, proclaiming the whole will of God over and over. What's he actually been doing? He's been teaching them. He's been feeding them with the word, helping them grow up strong with the gospel. And as he leaves these people to carry on doing the job without him, what does he leave them with? Verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance. So it's the word of God's grace that these shepherds need if they're going to do the job. 
It is the word of God's grace that the sheep need if they're going to grow. It's the word of God's grace that's going to protect against wolves distorting that truth. So to shepherd the flock is primarily to teach the flock. That isn't the whole of the task, but it is the heart of the task. Teaching, teaching up front, teaching one-to-one, encouraging us all to live in light of that truth, making sure the truth is being taught by other people in home groups and youth groups and everywhere else, bringing comforting truth to bear when life's hard, bringing hard truth to bear when life's too comfortable. Shepherding is a very tall order. As I've been preparing this, it's it's good to be reminded of these things. I've been humbled again, challenged again, the seriousness of the task, the honour of it, my own need for God's grace, but particularly about the preciousness of the church. Do we have any idea how much God loves us? That, That when he appoints overseers, he tells them, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. That's kind of being given the keys to borrow somebody's brand new Bugatti Veyron and saying, go and drive my car, it's my car, which I obtained with many hundreds of thousands of my own hard-earned pounds. Go, go, go for it. And you go, okay. It would appear this is a very big deal for you. (laughs) And it really ought to be for me as well. This ought to be very precious to me. Perhaps a better example might be, this is is like a father giving a man his blessing (laughs) to marry his daughter, saying, I would love you to be part of our family. But let me just tell you a few things about how precious this girl is to me. That's the weight of it. Shepherd my flock, says Jesus, and don't ever forget how much I love them, what I've given for them. What a privilege it is to be a sheep in that flock. What a daunting honour it is to be a shepherd as well. I'm very grateful that I get to do this role with you. I know John would say the same thing. I want to thank you for your patience for your prayers, for your priorities as well, for us that we would have a a teaching kind of ministry. There's lots of other things we could be doing. And as a church, as we look to appoint new elders, new shepherds, this is what we're calling them to do. Because this is what churches need. So as we finish, can you see that is what we need? Can you see that's what we are? That we need to be together that we need to be watchful, that we need to be fed, that we need to be led. How countercultural is that? Sometimes led places we, we might be less keen to go. That sometimes we need to be warned. Paul talks about warning them night and day with tears. That if a leader ever takes you to one side, pulls you up on something, that doesn't necessarily mean they are a big bad wolf. It could be that they're a shepherd and that they really love you. These are the things we need. I wonder what difference it would make to how we view church, how we do church, if we embrace these things. That the church is Jesus' flock. It is so precious. It's such a privilege to be part of. That the flock is under attack. That's a serious thing. And that God gives us shepherds. There's loads for us to learn. But since this is addressing elders, can I just finish with a word to myself and to John and to any future elders? Be shepherds of the church of God. 
be shepherds of the church of God. Watch over yourselves, because we can't do any good if we're not fed and well cared for. And we might be wolves if we're not careful. And we're a prime target. If the shepherd gets got, the whole flock is easy picking. So let's watch ourselves and let's watch the whole flock. Let's love the flock, feed the flock, lead the flock, make tough decisions for the good of the flock, care for the flock, point out and shoot wolves, and never forget that we are also part of the flock. It is his. And that means we're all in safe hands. Because <laughs> if it was all down to us, <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the chief shepherd. You are the one who loves us and bought us with your blood. We humble ourselves before you as sheep in your flock. We thank you for your provision, for your protection. We thank you for giving us one another and for being our shepherd. Thank you as well for giving us under shepherds. So we pray that you would help us to stay safe, safely within your flock. Would you protect this church? Would you feed us? Would you build us up with the word of your grace? Give us faithful shepherds who will care for us and lead us and teach us as you do. And may we all willingly and gladly be sheep in your flock. We pray this in your name. Amen.